So I feel like there are two things that we don't talk enough about, and by we, I mean you and I, of course. One of those things is the grieving process. When it comes to a relationship that has transitioned or shifted into something a little bit different, right? Maybe it ended, maybe you came to a realization about this person that was maybe staring you in the face the entire time and you couldn't see it and now you see it and you're like, oh my God, I have to interact with this person differently now or maybe I want to distance myself. There's a grieving process that comes with any type of relationship changing in the negative. And then the other thing that you and I don't talk enough about is toxic people who do not believe they're the toxic one when it is evident to the majority of people around them, they are the toxic one. There's there's so much to that. And and we could say we've touched on it many times when we when we talk heavily about personal accountability, which you know I do often talk about that. But there are other aspects to this. And 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 that is what I would really like for us to talk about today. Us. You and myself, of course. Now, the reason I mentioned the grieving process is because this is going to go hand in hand with the topic of a toxic person not realizing they're the toxic person. Because if you're in that person's life and you come to the realization that that this has been staring you in the face for a very long time and you were not able to see it and now you have to change your boundaries up a little bit or distance yourself from this person, there's going to be a period of time where you're going to have to grieve a few things. So this is where I'd like to start in this episode is why don't we address it from, from the ending to the beginning? Yeah? Why not? We like to do things a little backwards around here. So so what happens to you, you the listener? Because clearly you're not the toxic one, right? Just, you know, hopeful over here. That's a hopeful statement. Uh, we all have toxic qualities, by the way. I make jokes, but the, that's the truth. We all do. Like nobody is perfect, not myself at all. We all have toxic qualities. We all have patterns of behavior that we may or may not be proud of still doesn't matter how much you learn, how much you grow, how much you improve, you have them. What you do with them when you come to realize they exist is what determines whether you're toxic or not. It's what determines whether you're healthy or unhealthy. And y'all know, I use the word toxic loosely. I prefer the word unhealthy versus healthy, but I get scrutinized for any word I choose to describe behavior. So what I have tended to do is kind of list out behaviors that one would label as toxic. Because toxic is kind of that label that everybody just like blankets across a lot of shit and nobody really knows what it means. But when I reference toxic or unhealthy, what I am referring to is somebody who has unsupportive patterns of behavior. 
somebody who maybe has abusive qualities, right? They're neglectful, they attack, uh, they verbally assault you, they accuse, they blame, they do a lot of projecting without any level of personal accountability because once again, a lot of us project, myself included at times, but what you do when you figure out you're doing it is what determines what category you fall into. Because yes, there are categories, there are. Like your behaviors either land in the healthy pile or the unhealthy pile. Kind of like we all have a trash can in our house and there's shit that stays out of the trash can because it's not trash. (laughs) There's shit that goes in it when it's trash. Now, sometimes we have stuff in our house that ends up being trash down the road, but for years we don't look at it that way. And that's that's that toxic person that I'm going to refer to today. Good metaphor, bad metaphor. I don't know. Just hang with me here. So let's say you've had a friend in your life for a long time and, you know, you saw them one way for a long time. You saw them as a a great friend, a fun friend, a supportive friend, whatever. And that was obviously from where you were standing at that point in your life. And I think that's one thing a lot of us tend to forget is that, As we continue to grow and then look back on parts of our life, what we fail to often acknowledge is that we allowed certain things to happen. We responded to certain things a certain way because of where we were standing at that point in time and the filter that we were looking through. So if I've got some unhealthy behavior patterns or belief systems about myself and the world at large. And I have a friend in my life who I consider to be a great friend for a long time. And then as time goes on, you know, little things here and there that have always been existing start to become more obvious. And I start to then kind of step back and look at them and their behaviors or what they exhibit or what they're always talking about a little bit differently. Like now I'm hearing it differently. Now I'm seeing it differently. Until I get to the point where I'm like, oh my God, I see this for what it is. And I'm going to have to change how I interact with it. So I'm going to need a boundary. And let's say that boundary is I'm going to distance myself and and not spend so much time here because I realize just how toxic it could be, not just to be exposed to, but maybe it's having an impact on me and my mental and emotional well-being. Okay, so in that moment of realizing that, what we have to realize that a lot of us don't is there's going to be a lot of emotion that comes up. Like we don't just hit moments of clarity in our life and go, ah, great, let me do something different, yay, and then do it. No, no. Like there's a whole whole world of emotion in between that, yes, for a lot of people, they just stuff it down, shove it to the side, or, you know, they're like one of those people who can walk in a room and they know somebody in the room, but they don't make eye contact with it and they walk right on past. They do that. They do that. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not ever going to be somebody if I know you and I walk into like... Walmart and I see you, I'm not going to be able to, if we're in close proximity, pretend you don't exist. Even if I don't, even if I'm not your biggest fan, 
I'm just not going to be able to walk by and pretend you don't exist. I'm going to have to acknowledge you. That's just who I am. So it's the same way with emotions for me. They exist. They're there. I know they're there. I know they're going to exist anytime something happens in my life. So I'm going to address them. I'm going to face them. I'm going to feel them. I'm going to acknowledge them. I'm going to create a nice little space within myself, just me and me and me, to feel them and make sense of them. And then once I do, if I need additional support, I turn to people outside of me. But I am responsible for self-soothing. I am responsible for validating first and foremost. And then I can go to somebody else to help me with more clarity if need be. But if you don't feel them, then you might be caught by surprise on why you behave in certain ways, right? Like sometimes we don't acknowledge our emotions or we just shove them to the side and we we compartmentalize, right? Like a lot of people are really great at doing that. I'm not actually that this is this is a, a a thing at times like I like I hate conflict okay just the more you know I hate conflict I hate it I do not because I can't handle addressing it because I'm very direct and quick in addressing conflict and I'm rather good at communicating through conflict but I just don't like it so If I am involved in it, I like to resolve it rather promptly. And I do acknowledge that there are people in the world that need some space from the issue to get clarity on the issue, that not everybody is like me who in real time will like try to process their emotions while you're pissing them off and standing right in front of me. Like I work differently, right? We all do. So I acknowledge, like, Phil is somebody who likes a little space between the issue and can return to it later. Not I. Not I. And so we have to find common ground often because, you know, he could go to work and and place it in a box on the side and do his job and then come home and pick up that box and then readdress it with me. I just, I can't for a couple of reasons. Number one, I talk about myself all day. It's part of my work emotion is part of my work. Could you imagine me trying to talk about myself honestly and authentically and feel my emotions or or help you understand your emotions while I was caught up in my own shit, my own life? I couldn't, I just, I can't function that way. So the quicker I can get to resolving the conflicts in my life, the better, right? But, you know, we, we have to address them at some point. Because if you are somebody who places it in a box and puts it to the side, um, you, could, you could pretend that box isn't there for about 25 years, but that box is still going to be sitting there. It's kind of like when grandma put the box of ornaments that she didn't want to use anymore or that season in the attic. They're not going anywhere unless she goes up and brings that box down and carries it out. You're, you're going to have to open the box at some point. So when a relationship shifts, back to my point, (laughs) when a relationship shifts, please know there's a box of emotion you're going to have to open up and look at. So if you could just, you know, set aside some time to do that, that would be beneficial to you. Otherwise, it's going to catch you off guard. It's going to knock you out. It's going to, I don't know, hit you at the knees um, and feel very confusing. Because when a relationship shifts, what happens is, number one, you just gained new clarity for you to realize it shifted. 
So what comes with gaining new clarity is the realization that at one point you didn't have that clarity. And when you realize you didn't have that clarity, what comes up with that? Oh, well, you feeling stupid, you feeling ashamed of yourself, embarrassed, guilty, you feeling hurt or sad or angry. So there's a lot just attached to that moment right there, right? You got, you're going to have to reconcile those emotions and, and come to terms with the fact that you couldn't know then what you know now. There's no way because there was obviously a series of events or conversations that took place between then and now that got you to now and got you to that clarity, which again, all of this that I'm saying is part of like how you can talk to yourself to self-soothe in these moments to reassure yourself, hey, like it's okay that I feel embarrassed because There's no way I could have known this until this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And maybe with that person, but maybe with other people in your life, you you couldn't have known. And so once you get to the point where you do know, it's very easy to beat up on yourself, but don't. Try to have some level of understanding and compassion for yourself while also letting yourself feel that embarrassment for a second. I get it. I have to feel it too. And I feel like sometimes with me, it's like a double whammy because I I add in to my punishment, God, Amy, you help all of these people for a living. How could you be so stupid? And and when I do that one, that takes a toll on me at times. But that's how I really feel. So I sit in it for a second. I sit in it. I swear, I must have been the baby that like shit shit her diaper as a as a baby (laughs) shit her diaper and didn't cry like I feel like that was that was probably on brand for me so what else comes up in this grieving process is you know you having to reflect on a lot of different experiences that you once had with that person or those people. Looking back on where you were from now where you are, right? So for you, from where you're standing right now, reflecting back on why did I allow this? Why did I laugh at this? Why did I respond to this? Why did I go above and beyond for this person? Why did I go out of my way to do X, Y, and Z when I wasn't receiving anything in return? Or whatever it is specific to your situation, reflecting back from where you're standing and having to kind of, kind of relive it through a, through a new lens and make sense make sense of it. So those kind of go hand in hand, right? You having to come to terms with what emotions come up in that process, as well as you really having to understand why did I do that in the first place? And you know, that's where you go through the process of, I well, I, I go through the process of talking to myself and making more sense of where I've, where I've been, why I behave the way I behave, why I think the way I think. So what landed me in that situation to begin with? Listen, I've had to do this through all of the 
very, very abusive relationships I've been in in my past. Once they're over, having to kind of go through this process of like, oh my God, why did I lean into that? Why did I think this way? Why did I behave this way? Why did I accept this, tolerate this, respond this way? Having to feel all of those feelings. And I know this sounds as I'm breaking it down like a really long-winded process, but it's not. It could be a few hours out of your day. It could ripple out into a couple days or a couple weeks here and there as you have time to kind of sit down. And there's no timeline. Like there, there doesn't have to be any sense of urgency, but, but it should be prioritized because otherwise it's going to be lingering. You know, it's kind of like an opened browser with a task to do on, on your computer that you just keep leaving there. God, I do this all the time. It's so bad. <laughs> leave it there and I leave it there and I leave it. So I don't shut, I don't even shut down the computer when I'm done with it. I just leave it there and leave it there. And I'm like, I'll get to it tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. And it's still there. And then it's like, it's, you know. By, but within a few hours, it's timed out. It's like logged itself out the whole nine yards. So it's like it's sitting there for absolutely no reason other than I'll get to you when you're important enough for me to get to. Now, with emotion, we get to it when it's all in our face and like paralyzing us from doing anything else, hindering our ability to function in the present in some capacity or you prioritize your emotion and before it gets to that level, you just sit down and go, let me feel this for a second. And that doesn't mean forcing it to come up either, but that just means let me, let me just feel what I'm feeling in this moment and then I'll go to my next moment, my next and my next, and if something comes up, I'll pause and I'll give it some space. So that grieving process takes us into the conversation about toxic people who do not know they're toxic. And why did I start here? Well, because a lot of you always ask, like, now what do I do? Like, this person's just not listening or respecting my boundary, Amy. Now what do I do? And I'm like, respect your own boundary. And y'all hesitate. So the reason I started from the ending and I'm working my way backwards here is because you guys needed to hear that first. And did you know the attention span in the country has dropped from 12 seconds to 8 seconds? So I have very limited time to capture your attention and hold it here. And so I got to give you the good stuff first, especially for those who might dip out halfway through and then maybe not return to the rest of this episode until a few days from now. Well, now you will. Because you heard the grieving process first, but you're probably now wondering, well, like, let me get a little more understanding if I'm going through that grieving process or I'm going to have to. Let me get a little more understanding as to why this person is the way they are to begin with. Because if you're anything like me, that's the part that's really juicy and fascinating. Okay, so toxic people who do not know or recognize that they're the toxic one. Why? Are they unable to realize this? Well, because they're unable to be self-aware, but what brings about a lack of self-awareness is the resistance that they have towards self-reflection. What brings about a resistance to, to, to them being able to self-reflect? 
is their lack of honesty with themselves. If you can't get honest with yourself, then you're not going to sit down and want to acknowledge, yeah, you know what? I could have been kinder. I could have worded that differently. That takes, a, that takes honesty. That takes humility. And that takes being able to feel the discomfort that might arise in that moment as well, like the embarrassment, the shame, the guilt, the frustration, the irritation, the annoyance, whatever it is, that might also arise in that moment that you humble yourself enough to be able to acknowledge that you could have done better. You could have been better. You could have judged it differently. You could have set a clear boundary. You could have upheld your own boundary. You could have respected yourself more. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that because they can't get honest with themselves enough to be able to do that. So when you have somebody who resists that self-honesty, then of course they're not going to be able to be honest in life with other people as well. So, so what does that translate to? That, that translates to them walking around and behaving in ways where they victimize themselves. It's never, never them. It's always the other person. It's always blame. It's always pointing the finger at somebody else. It's your fault I feel this way. It's their fault this is happening. It's the government's fault that this is going on in my life. It's my parents' fault from three decades ago that I am here right now struggling with X, Y, and Z. That's a victim mentality. Versus what I talk about here and what I encourage you to do is getting honest with yourself and self-reflecting. So we can acknowledge like I struggled with healthy communication because I was raised in an environment where it didn't exist. So clearly I didn't even know what it sounded like, let alone how to begin like practicing it. That's honesty, right? That's a, a fact. That's exactly what happened. But it's not an excuse, So then where do we move? Self-honesty. So that's no excuse for me to continue struggling with it. No, I have the ability to learn and be better and do different now that I know that information. And I know that that harmed me and I don't want to harm more people in my life. So I'm going to get honest with myself and go, well, fuck, man. I wasn't taught it. I wasn't shown it, but I'm going to learn it because I'm worth it, and the people in my life are worth it too. When you're dealing with someone who does not know they're the problem, does not know they're the toxic one in the, their, their life or their situations, then what you're often going to encounter with them is that it's always you and not them. When you are their friend and you're trying to support them in life, then what you're going to find is it's always everybody else's fault, not their own. So there's never going to be an acknowledgement that they're participating in the drama or the chaos that is, is happening in their own life. And that, when you begin to grow and, and realize that you are improving and you want to surround yourself with individuals who also want to hold themselves accountable and grow and improve their lives as well, you're not going to want to be surrounded by that. 
you're going to want less exposure to individuals who are always blaming, deflecting, projecting, accusing others of the problems that they experience. And so how do you deal with someone like that? A lot of you want to lecture, and I totally get that because that's how I used to be too. A lot of you come to the realization like, you know what, if you just do this differently, it would actually change the outcome and improve your life. And you realize that because you're growing. And so you're like, oh my God, let me help other people. And I care about you and I want to help you. So let me teach it to you too, because you keep complaining about this thing. So let me offer this piece of information to you. And... What they're going to do is either entertain the idea and never implement it, or the minute you offer it to them, they will find ways to tell you why it's not going to work, which just take a gander, just take a gander at times at, at the comment section of any mental health account that has a lot of comments under a post. You're always going to find a few negative ones that that are going to say, well, that's not going to work because you've never met my father. Or I tried to set boundaries, Amy. I hear this one often. I tried to set boundaries, Amy, but this person is just so difficult. You clearly have never dealt with a difficult person in your life. Those ones are funny to me. Because God, if you knew how many difficult people that I've had to deal with in my life. So when someone's like shouting their resistance at me and I'm like, whew, you can't see it or hear it yourself, can you? You just can't. You just can't. You don't want to. You don't want to acknowledge that there, there may be a piece of the puzzle you're missing. Now, that's the key difference here, right? Like, They don't want to acknowledge that there could be an improvement made on their end. It's like I've given examples. I'm not going to name names, but I've given examples where I've said, and I, and listen, I've listened to a lot of you say this back to me about people in your life where you might have suggested therapy to somebody and only maybe because there was some sort of incident that occurred in somebody's life and they are heavily leaning on you, if not unloading unsolicited emotions and, and, and drama and, and, or trauma in your direction. And you just, that's not your role. You're not qualified or you just don't want to deal with that. And so you might make a suggestion to that, those people and say, you know, it's really helpful if, or what would be really helpful is if you, you sought out some form of professional support. You know, therapy is really great for working through things like this. And I've listened to feedback from so many clients who have just like done this on their own with certain people in their life. And I've done it with some people in my life. And they're always like, I don't need therapy. It's always those people. I don't need, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, people who go to, just because you go to therapy doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. People who go to any form of therapy, whether you come to to me or, you know, you go to an actual psychiatrist or psychologist or wherever, a counselor, wherever you go, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because you acknowledge to yourself, I could improve and I deserve to have a space 
to help me improve. Therefore, I deserve support. And if for you, if you're anything like me, you might look at a professional in a certain field as the best person to go to to help you improve. I've never been the type to just like turn to a family member and and be like, mentor me. I didn't, I didn't have relationships like that in my life. So for me, I had to turn to a professional because that was the only support I could garner back then. So, you know, but it's, it's the toxic individuals who can't see that they are toxic or have toxic qualities. Because again, I want to emphasize we all have them, but I'm specifically talking about people who can't acknowledge they too have them. Or maybe they're, they're a little trapped in their their hypocrisy and in one breath they can acknowledge they're flawed but in another breath or in many breaths they're constantly like it's not me it's not me it's not me it's not me no 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 it's something doesn't mean you're the one doing the thing you might be allowing the thing and that might be the toxic quality you have so story time because I like to close with a good uh you know gut punch So I had an individual in my life, a friend, who was a friend for for a while. And as I started to really dig in and focus on improving my relationships in my life, I started to notice that when I was spending time around this person, that they were, oh, there was always a problem. There was always some dramatic problem going on in their life. And, you know, coming from the background that I had and the environments that I had been exposed to, that seemed normal for a very long time to me. To like go to my friend's house and always hear some sort of really dramatic story. I almost thrived off of it, if I'm being really honest with you. It was normal to me that that was that was the only conversations that we would have and mainly because when i was raised and you sat down as a family we didn't talk about good things going on we talked about drama chaos or complained about other people that was how we bonded oh yeah by the way sidebar that's something to pay attention to in your relationships Do you bond over drama? Do you bond and connect over talking about other people? See, these days, once I came to realize, like, I didn't want to connect with people on that level, these days, I get my drama from the real housewives, (laughs) Not, not the actual real players of my life. Back to the story. So I started to recognize that, that this was, like, mainly the only, like we would just bond over complaining and talking about what was going wrong in their in my friend's life or my life or somebody else's life and again it was normal for a very long time a very very long time and i started a, there was a period of time where i started kind of branching out and making new friends or allowing old friends back into my life and they were very different they very much had grown from the last time they were in my life and had really great things going for them and i started to notice this contrast where when i would hang out with the the new friends that i had you know um reconnected with they were always so 
peppy and happy and it irritated me for a while totally being honest with you in this entire story so hang with me it irritated me because I was not I was not used to that Uh, and I labeled that fake I'd look at that and go you're hiding something there's something that you don't want to share with me that's wrong with your life because I was only used to people always complaining and I labeled it honesty whoo uh The amount of transparency that I am giving you right now is on fire. So I was uncomfortable with the positive person and very much content with the person who was hyper negative about everything. And I, but I am somebody who's often self-reflecting. So I was very much aware that there was a discomfort in one place and a comfort in the other. And for me, I am always very, very inclined to be curious about why I'm thinking and feeling the way I am. To the point that, yes, I often get told that I overthink, but my version of overthinking is productive and helpful because I actually learn something and grow from it. So there you have it, kids. Not all overthinking is bad. I paid attention to this. And so I started realizing from hanging out with the new person versus hanging out with the old person that when I left the new person's presence, who wasn't actually new, they just, you know, re-entered my life from long ago. Like they were my friend at one point and then there was some space and now they were my friend again. And so I started to notice when I left their presence, I felt really great about myself. I was like on a high but like not like an adrenaline rush kind of high, just like on a happy high. I was feeling good. I was feeling confident about me. They were always complimenting me. They were always boosting my self-esteem. The conversations like were honest to the degree where like, yeah, there were grievances at times or frustrations about certain individuals, but they were productive conversations. They were conversations where the other individual was saying to me, what would you do in a situation like this? Or what would you tell a client if they brought you this type of problem? So it was interesting conversations. They were conversations that were solution-oriented. And because I started having that experience, when I would go back to the old friend and spend time with that one, I started to recognize when I left her presence, I felt like shit. And I was like, what is that? I never noticed that before. And so I got, I paid closer attention and I'd go and I'd spend some time and I was like, holy, holy cow. I didn't realize that when we are hanging out, you are making little digs at me, criticizing me, judging me, putting me down. And they're, they're almost so small at times and they seemingly sound benign that I don't realize the toll they take on me until I leave your presence and I feel exhausted, achy, like my body aches, and I am totally wiped out, like for the rest of that day, just like don't want to interact with anyone. And when I started having that experience, I got more curious. And I'm like, what is going on? I mean, it's seemingly obvious that I feel much better about myself in one environment and not that great in the other environment. Well, what do I do with this? Because both of these individuals I consider a friend. 
And that was my bit of guidance. I was like, well, maybe I need to reevaluate what I consider a friend because this one person is never putting me down and always trying to lift me up. And this, and this other individual is just always negative, heavy energy, complaining about everybody and everything and constantly taking digs at me. And I'm not doing anything to deserve these digs. And that's the other component that was really bothering me. Like, why are you tearing me down when I am your friend and I'm listening to you complain about all these other things? Why are you tearing me down? And so I got really curious about what I was allowing into my life on a friendship level. What did I define as friend? And did I, was that, was I at a point in my life where I needed to redefine what a friend sounded like, acted like, what that, that time together looked like? Did I need to redefine it for myself? And the answer was yes, clearly, clearly I needed to, because there was a stark contrast between the two. And once I got honest with myself about that, instead of going, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong to make her make a dig at me. And maybe I'm just not doing those things in the presence of the other person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't blaming myself in these situations, but I was going to hold myself accountable for what I was allowing myself to tolerate and be exposed to. Because I was not the one saying the things that were hurtful. Nor was I behaving in a way that warranted that type of treatment coming at me. So if if it wasn't leaving me, as I always say, in terms of words and actions, then then it's not me. But it is me enough to be allowing it, right? So I'm also responsible for not just what I do or say, but if but also what I tolerate and accept into my life for coming at me. So I had to hold myself accountable there. Well, I've been, I've been allowing this. And why? Why have I been allowing this? And I had to dive into that for a minute. And this is all part of being honest with yourself. Why was I allowing it is an honest question to ask. That, that, that friend who was taking these little digs seemingly never asks herself. Why do I make these digs at my friend? Because if she did ask herself that question, she'd probably stop. Because the reality is, is she takes little digs at people who she deems to be doing better than her or 10 steps ahead of her or when they're feeling confident, if she's feeling insecure, she's got to tear you down so you're on the same level as she is mentally and emotionally in her mind. That's not how you see her, but that's how she sees herself. So when she makes those little digs at me, it's because she doesn't like being in the presence of somebody who she feels she's in competition with, or she doesn't like being in the presence of someone who she sees as thriving because she doesn't see herself that way. And of course, when you can't get honest with yourself and you don't feel like you're good enough, then you're going to look at other people like they're above you or on a pedestal and you're going to try to tear them down so they're on the same level with you so you no longer feel that discomfort of the gap between you and them. But there is really no gap. It's you put them up there. But, you know, that would require her to be honest with herself. So instead, I got honest with myself and I was like, I don't, 
let me reflect on like the value that this friendship brings into my life once I get clear on what do I want my friendships to look like. So once I got clear on that and I determined, well, clearly I don't want friends in my life who criticize me. I mean, for crying out loud, I had been in enough other types of relationships with that and I definitely didn't want that. So why was I accepting that on a friendship level? Like a fr- friends are choice. Those are, ch- I chose those. I chose those. You know, it wasn't like given to me, gifted to me as like a family member. Like I chose that. And I had them in my family too, mind you. So it was kind of like it, it was, there was a spotlight on it. Oh, shit. Well, I have these people, these types of people in my family and can't stand it. I've dated people like this and I couldn't stand it. Why would I continue to spend a lot of my spare time with someone who continues to do it? Well, clearly you see where that came from, right? She was, I was tolerant. She, me, she, me was tolerant of it because I was exposed to it for so long. But then once I got clear on, I don't want that, then it was like, well, where else is there value in this friendship? Like, are you gaining anything good from spending your time with this person? Do you feel supported? No. Why did you think you felt supported in the past? This was my grieving process, by the way, if you're keeping up. Why did I feel supported in the past? Because support was not actually in my life. And so I took whatever I could get. And if that meant like every once in a while I could get you on the phone and talk your ear off about something and then you would hold it over my head later, like that was the support I grew up with. So of course I'd settle for that at some point in my life until I woke up. I didn't want that. I just accepted that. But I realized I don't want that anymore. So that's not adding value. No, what else? And I went down the list and then ultimately concluded like, I don't hate this person. I actually have love for this person. I want to see this person succeed and do well and grow. But this person is not healthy for me to spend all of my um, spare time with. And so then what did I do from there? Because I'm dealing with a person who is seemingly toxic, who cannot acknowledge or see that they are toxic. Mind you, let's just like add on to this cake for a second. This person would constantly be like complaining about every person they went on a date with. There's no, there's no good guys in the world or there's no good guys in this state or in this county or in this town or wherever. I guess I'm going to have to go here. What? And then when I met a good guy, it became even more obvious to me, like, well, that's a lie. And that's a lie, and that's a lie, and that's a lie. It's everybody but you, apparently. And and then I and I stepped back and I started reflecting on like past conversations I had with this person. Like, whoa, wait a minute. I've listened to you talk about past friendships before and and the ending of them or how you that that relationship in your life has changed and you always blamed somebody else like, oh, so-and-so got a boyfriend and so they never came around again. Oh, you know, so-and-so had different political beliefs so they no longer would talk to me anymore. Like it was always somebody else's fault or something else's fault. And then came Amy. Amy got a boyfriend. And suddenly, I mean, I had reached all this clarity 
And so it wasn't necessarily like a really bad experience that happened, but this person seemingly vanished from my life. And I was kind of starting to step back anyway from investing so much time there because it was hurtful to me to be there in the first place. But yeah, I got a boyfriend and suddenly this person wasn't around anymore. And then I noticed this person like posting passive aggressive quotes online saying things like, know who your real friends are, the people that show up for you, like these passive aggressive statements that you knew were trying to drop hints, little Easter eggs, whether it was towards me directly or maybe a bunch of us that had been in their life. But they were hypocritical because I'd sit there and read them and go, you don't even realize like, you think you're talking about someone else, but you're talking about yourself. And you you don't even see that. And it's almost like I would watch this from the outside and be embarrassed for them because I was like, oh, dear God, you're complaining about everybody. or act, You're acting like everybody left you or no good people are around you. And you're the one who vanished. Like I would reach out to this person still on occasion, just not as frequently as I did. And I'd get like one worded. I would get kind of like blown off. No, they never reached out to me if I went on a trip or they saw something great that I posted about something happening in my life. They never asked or followed up like, how'd this go? Oh, that looked fun. Nothing. But when they were doing things, I was constantly reaching out. Hey, how was your trip here? How'd this go? How'd this go? Tell me about this. And again, I'd kind of get one to two worded and I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. I'm dealing with someone who cannot acknowledge to themselves that it's them. They're the common denominator in all in this history of relationships I've listened to them complain about, including now myself, of all different types family, friendships, boyfriends over the years. I've listened to all of this and now clearly it's coming back at me. Holy shit, they don't know they're it. They're the reason all of these have changed. They're they're the problem. And so I'm going to leave you with this. In situations like this, when you're dealing with a toxic individual who does not recognize that they are the problem in their own life, rippling out to perhaps your life, like the example I just gave. They're not asking you to teach them. They're not asking for you to lecture them or point out what is seemingly obvious to you and not so obvious to them. They're not. They're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to get real with their own hypocrisy at some point. They're going to have to self-reflect at some point. This is all a choice that we each individually make. And if it takes them 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, eventually they will have to face themselves or they'll get sick of their own shit a lot quicker because the same things will continue to happen. And maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to stop and consider how are they contributing to this pattern in their own life. So that is the answer to that ultimate question that I get asked frequently. Like, what do I do, Amy, when this person oversteps the boundaries constantly and can't hear me and can't listen to me? Well, they're showing you where they're at. That doesn't mean you have to give up. Like, I don't hate this person. There was no war with this person. And to this day, like, I, I 
still am very friendly and kind. I still will reach out from time to time because because I can. Because for me, the boundary is there's distance, but I don't need to block. I don't need to react that way because nothing happened to cause that. I've grown. I've realized some things. I've changed my boundaries. I've determined what I want around me and what's of value to me. I don't need to take that out on somebody else because they're stuck in their own shit. She's just like chilling over there in her shitty diaper and and not realizing she's shit. So like she's not crying or anything. She's just like and everybody walks around it and sniffs it and they're kind of like they don't realize she smells. And like, yeah, and when people tell her, because I've tried, when people tell her, she's like, no, I don't smell. That's you. You probably walked through the room and did that. And now you're blaming it on me. So, yeah, nobody's being mean here. Nobody needs to. And, and this is where when I when I see or hear a lot of you guys say, well, just cut him off. Just cut him off. Like he's not willing to respect you or she's not willing to respect you. They're not willing to hear you. Just cut them off. Sometimes it really, I mean, it's fair. There's very few instances. Obviously life-threatening ones, yeah, no contact like that is, is, is you know, life-saving. But in most instances, like something I'm describing, right? There's absolutely no need to react that way. Just respect yourself. Respecting yourself doesn't always have to look like you getting amped up, starting World War V and making it a dramatic exit, you know, like the people who have to announce their departure in your comment section. Who cares? If, if I'm not for you, respect yourself and leave. That's fine. I respect you for leaving if that's respectful for you. I'm not going to beg you to stay if, if I'm not right for you, you know? I'm, I'm also, I'm not going to, once I point out that your diaper is full of shit and you're, you smell awful, if you continue to look me dead in the eye and say, no, it's not me, I'm going to go, okay, well, enjoy your own stench. I know. I'm going to end on that note. I'll see you next week.